Well, as others have already done, I want to welcome you to First Methodist Mansfield today. If we have not met, my name is David, and I serve as a senior pastor here, and I'm delighted to have the chance to share with you as we continue uh, this series today. If you have your Bible, I want to encourage you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, uh, you can grab the blue Bible that is available in all of our worship spaces. You'll find 2 Corinthians chapter 5 on page 1796 in those blue Bibles that we have provided for you. And while you're locating that, I want to start by first saying thank you to all of you who came out to support annual conference. If you didn't hear, we were privileged and honored to host the 2017 gathering of the Central Texas Annual Conference. Over a thousand pastors and lay leaders here throughout the week. We began on Sunday with a great uh, worship service, Sunday night blessings offered by our worship teams in that service. Uh, We had Uh, sessions Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Tuesday night. We had the service of commissioning and ordination. Uh, One of our very own, Pastor Tina, was commissioned as a provisional elder in her annual conference on Tuesday night which means that in two years uh, she'll be up for ordination uh, as a full elder in the United Methodist Church. Uh, There were 13 who were ordained uh, here in our sanctuary. We're one of the few Methodist churches in the country who was able to say uh, that people's ordination took place within their sanctuary. So great honor uh, for us. Uh, All throughout the week I got to hear about your hospitality and your welcome that you offered to everyone. And, And part of what I found to be so heartwarming at the end of the week uh, were those who shared with me personally uh, and those that shared with me via email and just passing a note how encouraged and inspired they felt as they headed back to their places of ministry to the churches and the communities that they are serving. So thank you, church. Uh, Thank you, church, for being a blessing uh, to hundreds of churches, uh, hundreds of pastors and leaders uh, this week uh, as we shared uh, in annual conference. Uh, In the context of this series, we have been looking uh, at four words, and we began by first looking at an expression of our faith that we have been sharing for many, many years, uh, these wristbands uh, that simply say God is big enough, an affirmation of the faith that we have that whatever issue or circumstance we are facing in our life, God is big enough to meet us there, to care for us, and to lead us through uh, that, that, that issue, that difficulty that we have in our life. And for many years, you have shared these bracelets with family and friends and neighbors and co-workers and complete strangers. You have no idea how many thousands of people around our nation, around the world have received uh, this gift of faith. But what we are doing in this series is building on this by looking at four additional words. These words speak to an expression of our faith. Uh, the, The additional four words really speak to an expression of what drives us as a community of faith. Uh, the idea that we believe in a big God who has a big heart. And what you saw in the opening video are many different expressions of that, the many different ways that you live that out in our community and surrounding communities. Uh, There's lots of stuff that we do here. We wanted to celebrate in this series what we do, but also remind ourselves to affirm that there is a why behind what we do. And the why is that we believe, we believe in a big God, and we believe uh, in a big God who has a big heart. Now, for the third message of this series, I want to take a little bit of a turn. 
And I want to do that for a couple reasons. The first reason is because many months ago in laying out this series, I wanted to do that. I intentionally planned for this weekend to be a little bit different. I wanted in this third message to share with you a little bit of my own story of what I have learned from you, watching you, observing you in my work as one of your pastors here for the last 12 years, how your faith and your belief in a big God who has a big heart has has impacted my life and impacted the way that I think about my ministry serving as, as one of your pastors. That's one of the reasons we, we plan to do this all along. But the second reason is because of what happened on Wednesday morning in Alexandria, Virginia, when a gunman opened fire on members of Congress uh, who were preparing to, to play in a charity baseball game. Whenever an event like that happens in our world, it often leads us as church leaders to pause and to think about how, how might we address that? How might we uh, uh, speak to that issue, that circumstance, that tragedy that's happened in our world? Many times that means that we have to shift our focus. And unfortunately for, for this week, I, I didn't have to change anything. You'll understand a little bit more why uh, in just a moment after I read to you uh, the Scripture, uh, but, but that turn is also in line with, with what's going on in our world and what we as, as, as people who are citizens of this nation experienced uh, in these last few days. So let me begin by looking at this, this, this scripture that we're, uh, we're focusing on today. Second Corinthians chapter 5, and I'm going to begin reading to you beginning at verse 14. Uh, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth. And I want you to remember as I read this to you, I want you to remember that this is one of the early church leaders who is speaking to some of the first men and women who had said yes to Jesus and were trying to figure out what does it mean to live as a follower of Jesus. Uh, Paul, in this passage, he's talking about the ministry that we have been given by Christ, uh, a ministry that, that these men and women were, were just beginning to figure out and understand what it meant for them, what were the implications of that in their life. Here's what Paul says, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. And so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. And therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. And we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So again, uh, this last Wednesday, uh, there was uh, this act of violence uh, in, uh, in Virginia. 
Uh, and, but as you think about the, the, the disturbance of that moment and what that was like for us as we moved through the course of this week, I want to actually take you back to, to begin telling you this story. I want to take you back uh, to a similar event that happened much closer to home for us last summer, July 7th, 2016. Uh, when a gunman opened fire in Dallas, Texas, uh, eventually leading to the death of five Dallas police officers. That also happened on a Wednesday, if you don't recall, not first thing in the morning, but rather in the late hours of the evening. In fact, many of us didn't even hear about it till the next morning when we woke up. And all throughout that following day, on that Thursday, we heard, we heard reports of what had happened and, and who had been injured, and we began to hear about uh, the officers who lost their lives in the midst of that experience. By Friday of that week, because you live in a community here in Mansfield where, uh, where pastors and civic leaders and first responders, the police force, the fire department, because you live in a community where, where we often connect with one another, very quickly in, uh, the response to that was pastors and first responders and, and city leaders, including our mayor, gathering at City Hall on Friday evening in order to pray for Dallas, uh, to pray for the entire Dallas police family, to, play, to pray for uh, the officers' families of those who lost their lives, those who were still hospitalized, who had been injured, and, and, and to pray for peace, to pray for peace in our world. A really large group of people gathered there at City Hall that, that Friday night and, and, and pastors came and uh, many pastors from our community came forward to, uh, to pray. We were given different things to pray for as we went through that service and, and what I was asked to do in the context of that night was to, was to pray for peace. And one of the things I did this last week is I went back and I looked at my notes from that experience and, and from that uh, as I prepared for that service. And I want to read to you, I want to read to you some of what I wrote uh, as I was thinking through the prayer that I wanted to offer that night, thinking about peace, uh, thinking about reconciliation, thinking about uh, offering hope and support for the people who would gather to pray for Dallas and to pray for this tragic situation. And as you hear these words, I want you to think about how appropriate they still are for us in our world today and, and how they're appropriate for where we are this week as we think about another act of violence perpetrated on those who lack defense. Lord, we search for words to speak. We search for words to understand. We search for words to bring under control our anxious fears and we confess the words we choose are at times not the ones that we should. We choose words that give voice to our fearfulness rather than the depth of our faith. We choose words that lash out in anger rather than those that bind up our wounds. In our desire for answers, we deny our common humanity. We speak words that increase our divisiveness rather than those that so love. We are too quick to speak, too slow to listen, and as a result, so often unable to understand, for we do not understand, Lord. We know love only because we know you, and so we pray that you would remind us of that today, Lord, that the peace, of our world, that, the peace that our world so desperately needs can only begin in you. 
And so we boldly ask today, Lord, for an increased measure of your love to flood through these, your people, that we may not be overcome by the hate that continues to do violence in our world. Remind us, Lord, that peace can only begin here. When we ourselves choose to release the fists our hands have formed so that we can, with the courage only your love can provide, reach out to one another in peace. And we commit ourselves today, Lord, to the better words that you would give and the better way that you would call us to live as instruments of your peace. That week was one of those weeks where we made a turn as we prepared for the weekend and in the message uh, that I was preparing to share with you uh, that, uh, that weekend in July. Much of what I shared was reflected in, in those words. And when the, when the weekend was over, one of the things that I spent some time doing was just thinking through, how, how do we do with that? How, how well did we serve the needs of our community in the midst of this, uh, this tragic circumstance that we all were, were, were captured by? That's one of the things that pastors do, by the way. You, you, you may think that being a pastor is, is uh, over the course of the week thinking about, well, what do I want to say this week? That's, that's not what pastors do. That's not what I do. I think about what, is, what does God's heart want to say to the heart of these people? Uh, what is it, Lord, that you want to convey to them? What are the words that they need to hear? And, and Lord, would you, would you hide the words that I may want to say and instead give me your words that, you're, that I know your people, your people need to hear? And after that weekend was over, I thought, well, we did okay. I thought we were present and, and we, we offered hope and uh, we, we, we said the things that we needed to say. We, we said it in such a way that reflected the grace and love of Jesus. We... I thought we did okay, but at the end of that, I, I couldn't help but think, Lord, I think there's something more. I think there's something more. I think there's something more that I should be doing. I think there's something more that I should be modeling or leading our people to do, but I had no idea what that was. I had no idea, but, but there was something within me that just felt like I need to do more. To, to live into this prayer that I, that, I, that I prayed there on the steps of City Hall, to, to really step into the words that I, that, that I shared with the congregation that weekend. Lord, I feel like I need to do more, but I have no idea what that is. The next series that we did in August was another one that we'd planned months in advance. In, in fact, I think we had planned it a year in advance. And we put it on the calendar because we knew what was going to be happening last fall. We knew that we were going to be going into the fall uh, election season, the presidential election. We had no idea who the candidates were going to be. But we had a sense that there was a topic that we needed to address. There was an emphasis that we needed to share uh, in the month of August as we led into the start of those fall campaigns. And what I want to do right now is I want to show you uh, the bumper video, the, the video that introduced the theme of that series. I want to show you that again just to remind you of what that emphasis was that we shared together last August. Let's see that now. early church leader James says this, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, 
and slow to become angry. But turn on the TV, do a quick scan of the latest news, or look at the tendency of your own heart, and it is clear to see that we often act in the exact opposite way. Anger comes easily. We speak quickly and carelessly, and the patience to listen and understand is, at times, hard to find. But the challenge of our faith in Jesus remains. In a world where it seems everyone is tearing each other down, we are called to be builders of God's better world. In a world where it seems like everyone is tearing each other down, we are called to be builders of your better world. I don't know how many times I saw that video last August, though, walking through those four weeks of the series, but one of the questions that was just stirring in my heart as we walked through that series, and every time I'd see those images and I'd hear again, I'd hear again that call, we are called to be builders of God's better world, I, I, was, I was wrestling with that question, God, what else do I need to do? What else do we need to do? What, how else do I need to partner with you to build God's better world? world. After a lot of prayer and uh, conversation with our other pastors, what, uh, what we chose to do was to intentionally reach out to our brothers and sisters at Bethlehem Baptist Church uh, and invite them, uh, ask them if they'd be willing to join us in, in a time of building relationship, of intentionally fellowshipping with one another, sharing life together in order to strengthen the relationship between our faith family uh, and the Bethlehem faith family. Now, if you don't know, Bethlehem is the oldest church in our community. Bethlehem uh, is uh, primarily an African-American church, a significant, influential church in our community, and not only because of who they are, because of their faith, because of their witness, uh, but, but because of, of how they serve and give and, and lead within our community. And this wasn't the first thing we'd ever done with Bethlehem. We, we've been working with Bethlehem for many, many years, for really decades, serving in our community together, working together. Uh, we, our pastors and their pastors are all very involved in our community. We would see each other at community functions when we had breakfast with the, with the mayor, all the pastors. We, we were always there together. I knew their names. They knew, uh, they, they knew our names, but, but I felt like we needed to do more. And... And, and luckily, we, they, they agreed and they expressed their own willingness to do that. And so what we, we started doing is we started meeting together once a month. We started sharing a meal together in the time of that gathering. And, and we spent some time just listening and, and sharing with one another. And here's what won't surprise you. What won't surprise you is that when that, that first meeting, when we got together and we went back and forth from Bethlehem, uh, we was at Bethlehem one month and then we'd be here the next month and then back. In that first meeting, it was, it was a little bit awkward. It was a little, it was, it was new to us. And uh, the, the people that we were engaging with, some of them were, were, were new to, to one another. There was five from Bethlehem and five from our church. And and in the beginning, we started with an agenda. We had questions to discuss, and we sort of needed those, those, those guardrails, if you will. We needed that starting point. You know, you think about a, a new small group coming together. You, you got to kind of start the conversation, and that's, that's what we did. It was a new thing. It, was, it wasn't the, uh, the most comfortable thing, but it was a good thing. It was a good thing. 
And the reason that I say it was a good thing is, is the first lesson that I've learned not only over the course of this last year, but I've learned from you. I've learned from watching you for 12 years. I've learned from seeing you as a church family living out your faith in a big God who has a big heart. I have seen this truth repeated over and over again in you. And because I've seen it in you, you, your faithfulness and your witness has given me the sense of courage to be able to to, to hold on to this truth and to act on it in my own life. This, this, is, this is what I would say, that Christians are people compelled by Christ's love to do things they would not otherwise do. We are people who are compelled by Christ's love. Here, here again, that, those opening words of, of verse 14, Paul says, we are compelled by Christ's love. And because of Christ's love that has come and, and made a home in our lives, we find ourselves doing so many things that we would not otherwise do, so many things that we would never have dreamed that we would do. And over and over again, I've seen that at work in your life. And you doing things that you never would have thought were possible. You engaging in ways that you never would have imagined yourself acting and, and, and leading and sharing with others. And Christ's love is what compels us to do those things. To be a follower of Jesus is to be someone who, who, who sets aside the thought, I don't want to do this, or this feels uncomfortable, or I'd rather avoid that. Those are, those are words, those are phrases, those are thoughts that when you say yes to Jesus and compelled by Christ's love, you start setting those thoughts aside. And because of what Christ has done in your life, you start doing things you never would have done before. You step into relationships, you step into situations, you step into moments that before you may have been leaning out of and had no interest in being a part of because you're compelled by Christ's love. And so compelled by Christ's love, what I will tell you is that we began to lean into one another. And over the course of time, as the months went by and uh, more great food was shared and conversation was shared, we didn't, we didn't need the agenda anymore. We didn't need the opening questions. We were just getting together to be together, to, to intentionally fellowship with one another and to continue to strengthen these relationships that we had had before, but not in the way that we were, that we were living into them over the course of this of this last year. Uh, we made a decision at the very beginning to, to meet throughout the school year, uh, not really knowing what would happen at the end of it. We didn't have a set goal in mind of, well, at the end of the year, we want to get here, we want to be in this place, but rather we we, we want to start with that initial commitment and go from there and see what happens. And of course, many of you know, three weeks ago, one of the fruits of that uh, was that, to our knowledge, uh, Michael and I, the pastor at Bethlehem Baptist, uh, we got to do what we think is the first ever pulpit swap between Bethlehem Baptist Church and First Methodist Mansfield. And if you were here three weeks ago, you got to hear Michael share with you. He was shared in all of our services, a great message. If you missed it, go back on our website, listen to that incredible message that Michael shared with you. And I had the honor to to represent you and to go to Bethlehem and to preach uh, there that Sunday morning uh, to the congregation there at Bethlehem. 
Uh, you've already heard me talk about what a great weekend it was. Michael and I had the chance to visit in the week after. He shared how gracious and welcoming you were, how much he enjoyed uh, being here with you. And I had the chance to share with you what a great joy it was to represent you, to, uh, to be there at Bethlehem, to, to say to that community, to, to share with them how much I value them and how, how much they mean to our community. That every person who calls Mansfield home, their life is better because Bethlehem is here. I got to share that with him. It was an honor. It was an honor to do that. And I heard wonderful things from you. But I want to share with you the the thing that I heard uh, that that meant the most to me in in your feedback of of that weekend and hearing Michael and knowing that I was going to Bethlehem. The thing that I heard shared from you that really meant the world to me was this. The individuals who came up to me and they said, the next time you go, I want to go too. I want to go too. Next time you go, the next time we do this, I appreciated first that, that, that they were excited about it next time, but that they said to me, I'm, I'm glad you went, but next time, next time I want to go too. Next time I, I want to be a part of, of being there in that community and, and sharing with them. And should you hear these, should you hear these words again? From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. And therefore, if anyone's in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave to us the ministry of reconciliation. To be a person of faith, to be a follower of Jesus is to be someone who is compelled by Christ's love to do things that you would not otherwise do. And the reason why the ministry of reconciliation that Christ has given to us, the reason why it is so important is the second lesson that I have learned in my life over the course of this last year and I have seen in you over and over again and the way that you have served and the way that you have shared your faith in a big God who has a big heart with our community and surrounding communities. Here's the conviction that problems lack solutions absent relationship. Problems lack solutions absent relationship. You may have heard it said before that everything good in life comes from a relationship. That's true. Every good thing in your life, everything that you value, everything that you treasure, it begins in a relationship. But it's also true to say that any problem, any challenge, any trial that you face in your life is made more difficult absent relationship. Made more difficult and at times impossible when there is not a relationship present to walk with you through that challenge you are facing or to work with you on the problem that you are seeking to address. 
And part of what this means, if, if, if you would buy into this idea that problems lack solution absent relationship, part of what it means is that the first step we often need to take is not addressing the problem. The first step is instead to build or to restore the relationship. Because the relationship, the, the connection, the, the vitality of that is, is what leads to the solution that we need to move forward from the problem that we are facing in our life. Regardless of what that problem may be, whether it's a problem that exists between two races, people of different creeds, people of different political affiliations, problems that exist within uh, relationships that you have in your life with a coworker, with a neighbor, with someone who used to be a very close friend, and even the problems that may develop between a husband and a wife, between a mom and a daughter, a father and a son, problems always, they always lack solutions. They struggle to find solutions without, without relationship, without people who are leaning into one another and learning from one another and listening to one another and caring for one another. This is also, by the way, the gospel. This, this is what our faith is all about. There's a problem, we are separated from God. Because of our sin and the brokenness of our world, we are distant from the creator of all things. But there is one who came, there is one who, who entered into that problem story, and he came to reestablish the relationship. He came to be the mediator. He came to be the one who would not provide just a solution, but one who came to provide a relationship. And what Christ has done for us, according to 2 Corinthians 5, this, this is the simplest way to think about it. What Christ has done for us, we are called to do for one another, and we are called to do for the world which may mean that because you are compelled by Christ's love, you're gonna find yourself doing something that you never thought you were gonna do. Building relationship with someone who you never thought you would build a relationship with, or maybe acting in such a way to restore a relationship in a way that you never thought you would do. Maybe that means that you would be the first person to say, I'm sorry, because while there's a problem and you hope for a solution, you recognize that that's hopeless if you don't have relationship. Christ has come to reconcile us to God and he has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Another way to think of that would be this, whatever we hope to see in our world, it has to start somewhere and it might as well start with you and it might as well start with me. Doing things we never thought we would do for one reason and one reason only, because we believe in a big God. We believe in a big God who has a big heart and we have been compelled by Christ's love to do the things that he has called us to do, things that we would not otherwise do. 
because someone has come and, and has not just provided a solution, someone has come and has given us the gift of a relationship. And so this week I want to challenge you to think about what is it that Christ might be calling you to do to be a minister of reconciliation in your life and in your world? Is it with a close friend? Is it with your spouse? Is it with a child? Is it with a neighbor? Is it simply taking some time to, to invest in building a relationship with someone new? What is it that Christ has called you to do? And if you find yourself thinking, I don't know, I don't, that doesn't sound fun. It sounds a little bit uncomfortable. I don't know if, I want you to remember that we are people who have been compelled by Christ's love to do for others what Christ has done for us. Let's pray together. Loving and gracious God, we do pray for peace. Peace in our world and peace in our hearts. And Lord, we know that peace comes from you. It originates in you, the love and grace and hope that our world so desperately needs. It comes from you, Lord. You share it with each of us in our own lives, in our own hearts, and, and you give us the responsibility to be people of peace and grace and love with others in our world. Help us, Lord, to be faithful to that call. Help us, Lord, to continue to grow and to take additional steps, whatever those might be, to, to build relationships, to perhaps restore relationships. I pray, Lord, that you would lead and guide your people this week, those who are here this weekend. Maybe, Lord, you're calling them to do something that is a little bit outside their comfort zone. Would you, Lord, give them the courage to do that? Would you give them the will and the power to do that? We pray, Lord, for healing. Healing in our hearts and healing in our world. Remind us this day that those things that we hope and we long to see in our world, they got to start somewhere. May we, Lord, individually but also as a family of faith, a people who believe in a big God and a big heart, may we be willing to be those who would say, I want it to start with me. All these things we ask in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.